it's two seconds. Yeah, mine doesn't say we're recording yet. That's it now. See, that's <laughs> okay. That's the reality of me and technical stuff. I need someone to do this for me. Now we're recording Vanessa Rock, the girl on the bike. What, what a pleasure it is to have you on the podcast. And I just want to say thank you so much. What, what a story you have got. What, and what journey you've been on. Um, I've just been there spending the last, like I said to you earlier, I've spent the last few months just absorbed in your content and thinking, well, look at this woman just going like she's been through so much. I've got, in, I've got to interview this person. I want to hear her story from her own perspective. But um, there's something you said. Um, I was watching it today. You said you don't just want to share the good parts. You want to share the dark times, the, the moments that are real, that are genuine. So um, let's go right into it. 25th of March, 2014, traffic lights. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... I guess where the story of the girl on a bike really started, it was a pretty standard Tuesday. I'd finished work for the day and I got on my bicycle. Now, I commuted every day on bicycle. Rain, shine, hail, snow. I got on that bike and I rode to work. It was completely normal. This day, I was actually on the way to the wakeboarding lake to meet my husband and some friends after work for you know some time on the water. Got about a mile down the road and unfortunately a car coming the other way at the traffic lights decided not to stop at their red light and they cut straight across in front of me leaving me with nowhere to go and i went bam straight into the side of that car and in that moment like that life as i knew it changed no i wasn't a bleeding mess on the side of the road i'll be completely honest i wasn't scraped up by paramedics I did go to hospital in an ambulance. I was pretty shaken up. <laughs> I'd just been hit by a car. Uh, yeah. And I was sent home that night from A&E with bruising. Now, if we fast forward to today, so I'm just over seven years from the accident, I've had seven surgeries, including a reconstructed right shoulder and right hip. So if we think about you know, the, the realities of being told I have bruising versus the real reality of the implications of the trauma on my body, it gives you a bit of an idea of quite how much of a battle it's been trying to get myself back to fitness. Now, my goal has always been to try and get back to a pain-free body where I can go and kick some butt doing extreme sports. I've had to reshift my expectations slightly and accept that pain-free isn't really realistic anymore. I manage and cope with the pain on a daily basis, but I'm definitely determined that I have only got one body. It might be slightly reconstructed, so I'm gonna make the most of it and see how hard I can push it um, within sensible realms, obviously, if you call off right. hard enduro sensible. <laughs> I was gonna say, say, the last video, I love your giggle, you're laughing there. You're like, just be sensible, rubbish. I'm not like Vanessa, not rubbish. I'm watching you blowing up dynamite. I'm like, this is amazing. What, what was that about? You're just you have construction and it's the darkest days. Now I'm like looking at another video and it's like, you're blowing up dynamite. <laughs> that was pretty surreal. So that was in Bolivia of Novo Adventures and you can buy a stick of dynamite at the mines in Bolivia. So we bought a stick of dynamite, like when you can. Uh, it took us, we, we actually rode the motorbikes for four days with the dynamite in the pannier because we had to try and find somewhere that was going to be like okay to to, to, to blow it up. 
<laughs> you just went from because like when this podcast goes out, I've got like a few network and they're all a lot of them are ex-military. I'm gonna be like, that's my selling book, dude. This girl rode with four days with dynamite stuck to her bike. Like, oh, they're gonna be like sending it out to everyone. Um, you know, honestly, that that mindset. Um, I, I was watching something you said, and you were giving a how-to video, and you were speaking about the importance of torque setting. And mm -hmm. I've used uh, torque wrenches offshore in the drilling industry for 13 years. So I know the importance, like they have to be, um, it's a legal requirement to get it to the specific um, standard setting of the, the, you know, the person's equipment. Yeah. So do you think, and you know yourself, if you under torque or you over torque, it can be, you know, game changing. Yeah. It can be so damaging. Do you think that uh, as a metaphor, I was thinking about people under torque their own happiness or they over torque their own stress. Like they put so much pressure on themselves and they never let off. Like you spoke about the white knuckle game and people mm -hmm. never let off. And I'm like, that, that's such a nice way of looking at things, I thought. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think for me in my recovery, discovering something called mindfulness has been incredible in helping me with the mental journey because, you know, I've mentioned the physical implications. I think the mental journey has been even harder, actually. Uh, and it's often not talked about. And um, I think mindfulness for me taught me that I was in control of my thoughts. And it sounds really obvious, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> and it not takes a lot of time and practice and dedication to learn. Actually, when that first trigger thought, trigger thought for me is like the first bit that I recognize that would be a downward spiral yeah. of self-hate, self-pity, self-anger, hate my body, why does it hurt? Why can't they just fix, fix me? I wish I had a dead body. I should just give up. That first thought and stopping it and going, nope, get out of my mind. We're not thinking about that. Let's focus on the daffodils or the birds outside or whatever it is, something else. Because yeah, yeah. if you go down those self-hates and those self-thoughts and all those negative pressures on yourself, at the end of it, all you get is the same body, the same pain, the same situation, but with a whole load of pain and emotion because the emotion comes from your thoughts on top of it. So it's kind of getting to a point where you realize that it's just not worth going there. Uh, and I also feel like you can apply that so much in life. Like, is that argument even worth, like, does it even matter? Like in the scheme of life, when yeah. realistically you could get hit by a car tomorrow, fingers crossed, none of us do, yeah. you could fall over in the bathtub. Is it yes. really arguing over that? It's kind not. Of, just a different perspective. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be I'm going to be vulnerable here. I'm going to be totally open and honest. Mm -hmm. um, this is the first interview I've actually been a little bit nervous about, and it sounds ridiculous. I was like, you know, when I first looked at your um, YouTube because it's mainly your YouTube. I'm like, oh, you know, twenty one thousand subscribers. She's on the way. She's doing good. Slightly more than me. About. 10 hours ago, I was like, actually, if I checked her Instagram, I was like, oh, 80,000. I was like, oh, my God, she's, like, famous. I was like, oh, my God, she's totally gay. To like I'm like, oh, no, no. And I got myself into this place. Now, I'm, I've been to war. I've, I've, I've run my own company. I've got, I do all this stuff, you know, and I'm, like, working on it. And still, <laughs> this bearded dude, like, I'm nervous about interviewing this woman on a bike. I'm like, what are you doing, Steve? Go and have a cup of tea, have a bacon sandwich, 
have a whistle and jump on the podcast. It's yeah. stupid. You know, but I don't um, bite, and I can't bite via uh, webcam anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I I love I love that you said um, the things that we don't speak about um, tend to be some of the most important parts. Now, my brand is called Unspoken Wounds, and I've, I've spent years speaking about these scary parts of our life. Um, now. You've actually, about a year or so ago, you had recent surgery because you said you've had seven surgeries in like six or seven years, which is, I mean, to think of, I've had one surgery in my uncle maybe 20 years ago, and it still gives me jip. It still gives me, you know, aches and pains, especially in winter. So what's your perspective on self-belief, on on overcoming that, that self-belief in yourself, like, I'm not going to let this determine what it means to me. I decide. You know, what's your thoughts on that self-belief? Gosh, that's a big question. Um, but yes, just to clarify, yeah, it's worked out roughly one surgery a year for seven years. And I kind of describe like a roller coaster, massive, horrific lows of bed bound. And then little periods where you're reaching the top of the roller coaster where you're like, oh, maybe my body's working. This, yeah. this could be OK. And then you realize like, no, there's complications, reconstructions fail, etc. And you back down needing more surgery. Um Self-belief, I I honestly think that if you believe in yourself and believe you can do something, you you can. And if you don't believe you can do it, you nearly almost won't. Oh, that's I like that. Now we'll take a really simple example. Let's just say you want to jump across a stream. Okay, and you've got to really jump to get over the stream. Now, if you're believing that you're going to be the other side and you're looking at the bank on the other side and you're running and you're staring at that bit over there, mm-hmm. you're a lot more likely to get to that bank than if you go, oh, my goodness, and stare at the ground right beneath your feet, not even look up and try and jump because you tend to follow where your eyes go. And I honestly think in life we follow where our mind goes. We follow where our dreams go. And it's that really cliche thing of like shoot for the stars and you might just land on the moon kind of stuff. But it's true. If you don't set big goals, it's okay if you don't make the goal. Like that's okay. That's normal. Humans don't always achieve everything. But at least if you've tried, you're going to be a hell of a lot closer to getting there than if you didn't set yourself that goal. You know, it Uh, gives you something to focus and motivate on. I think the really... A really nice example from my story is actually when I first started off-road riding. Now, a lot of people don't realize that I didn't ride and do all this stuff prior to the accident. It's something that I've sort of, has just come into my life through my recovery and has been incredible for the mental side. But I was actually bed bound after my third surgery, which was my first on the hip. And I, to this day, don't know where the idea came from. I woke up in the morning and I rolled over to my husband I didn't roll because I couldn't. I kind of turned awkwardly. Give me over. And I was like, "Can I get a dirt bike?" And he was like, "What? Uh, what?" And I'm like, "Yeah, can I get a dirt bike?" I was bed bound. I mean, there's no way I could get on a dirt bike. But we did the research. We went out, and we were lucky enough to be in a position that we bought me this super old little Yamaha WRT50, and it was there, and it was sat there. It was five months until I could even sit on it. But it was there as a reminder, as a goal, every single day. Those days when I just hurt. 
and I didn't want to get out of bed where I couldn't find the energy to do my physio. I just wanted to give up. I had that ridiculous goal. The bike sat out there in the driveway waiting for me to get on it and go for a ride. And I think goal setting is so important in recovery, whether it's a sprained ankle or, you know, major reconstruction from being hit by a car. It helps you keep going forwards. And I also think you need little goals. You know, don't always shoot for the stars because shooting for the stars, you're not going to be able to celebrate for a year or two years, whatever it might be. But if you make little goals like making it to the toilet on your own so you don't have to pee in the bed or on yourself in the bed because I was so bad with bedpans. (laughs) Putting my own socks on, managing to brush my own hair or get dressed on my own, make it downstairs for dinner. All of these little wins, which were huge, but they were shorter term. They were things that I could each day have a little like, yes, I managed to put my own sock on today. Yeah, that was yeah. actually quite a big one. It took me a while to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can imagine because, you know, it's easy for anyone. I mean, anyone listening on the podcast, you know, you're maybe in your car and you may be going to work and you're, you're listening to Vanessa's amazing story. But just imagine that that crunching moment of your hips not now working, your shoulders not now working, your bed bound. What do you, I mean, like, what would you do? Listen, think about that as you're going to work today. And Vanessa, that small goals really are the, they're the ingredients that make up that that big, huge, wonderful Sunday roast, you know? And, um, you know, you've got to go to the shop to pick up the beef and the, and the, and the Yorkshire puddings and the beer and the wine. And you've got to get all the people around to make it a bloody good Sunday roast. If you don't go and do it, if you don't take that small little, and it's such a silly analogy, but it's so true, you know. And um, I, I've I've been through something like that similar. I remember um, in my darkest time, I honestly thought that the world was just better off without me. And coming home from four operational tours and and going through some similar circumstances of my life had bottomed out: no money, no job, debt, no car, no phone. And I got a knock on the door on Christmas Eve and we were being evicted. I got that bad. And I just remember, and that was my dirt bike moment. I remember sitting in the kitchen going, right, so I'm going to get myself a new career offshore earning 50 grand a year minimum. I'm going to turn this around. This is our moment. And I remember everyone looking at me going, you're crazy. I knew that was my big goal, but I'd had to get through that night. I had to get through that next day. The small goals really do make a difference. And you're so true. You're so right what you're saying there. Um, so what's it been like, you know, the, the last the last little while? You've, you've been on this amazing, amazing journey. All these ups and downs, the roller coasters. And um, I've just got, I've got to ask you, what is Romaniacs? What is Romaniacs? Oh, gosh. Romaniacs <laughs> is something I've got myself into. <laughs> Uh, it's one of the the most extreme top hard enduro extreme enduro races in the world so for anyone listening who's not sure what extreme enduro means i will try and paint a picture of it so picture yourself just stood there looking at the train in front of you and you've got loads of rocks and boulders and stupid hill climbs gullies logs man-made objects like a skip or a a plastic tube, just silly stuff. And you're standing there on your feet going, I don't know how to walk through here. (laughs) Then put yourself on a motorbike 
and try and ride through it. That's about how ridiculous uh, it feels. <laughs> Uh, but what's so amazing about that, though, is that you have to work so closely with your motorcycle. And it's 110 kilos, probably. I'm 62 kilos. So it's a, it's a lot of bike. So what do you You've mean? By to use... Sorry? What do you mean by working closely? So you've got to use the power of the bike to pop your wheel around stuff. You've got to use the engine to, to turn. You've got to use the, the suspension to give you additional lift. You've got to use every bit of that throttle on the big hill climbs and make that engine sing. You've basically got to be at one with your bike. Uh, often you're not, and you're sideways on the ground, and you're tugging and cursing and wondering why on earth you're out here, and your hip will scream, and you'll be like, what is this? But it is, gosh, it's so satisfying. It's a real sense of achievement when you get to it, so get to the finish line. So Romaniacs is a, a big international FIM governing body, hard enduro race. It's a five-day race in the Romanian mountains, and you will be, depending, you know, the pros aren't in the saddle for this long, but for someone like me, I could be on the bike for anywhere from seven to 12 hours in a day if I get lost, wow. and you you keep going it's hard terrain really challenging bits then lots of beautiful mountains and i really hope i can make the finish line it's a big big goal it's going to be a massive stretch for me on my skills it's going to be a massive stretch for me on my body and my body being able to cope with it and me being able to cope with the pain of getting to the finish line and so mentally it's going to be exhausting in every yeah. single way possible but I'm determined to prove to myself that I still can, or at least I can try. And if I don't make it, that's fine. At least I'll have got as far as I get. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You see, um, it's such a powerful kind of uh, question I want to get into there. So many people are afraid to even take a small step into the unknown. You know, they have an... Yeah. Oh, we all, now, I don't care who we are and what backgrounds, and we've all faced challenges. And mm. um, it, it does, it knocks you back. You know, it, it, it takes its toll. Anyone that says that it doesn't, they're, they're talking rubbish. Um, well, I think, I kind of think society is scared of failure. Yes. But, you, but it, failure isn't a negative thing, really, because every time you don't make it, you learn something. And when you try again the next time, you will have learned. Maybe you realize that actually, you know what? That's just not what I need to fight. That's not the battle I need to try and pick. And that's okay too. But I think society has made it like this stigma. Um, the same as asking for help when you're not okay. And oh I love God. this whole, yeah. it's okay to not be okay kind of thing. I think there's a song that's come out recently that I just love. It's okay not to be okay. I can't sing, so sorry about that. Awkward. <laughs> this is what you're making the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it is. And no one, no one is okay all the time. That's something I really want to emphasize, particularly with someone with a lot of followers on social media. I think social media can be really toxic because it's like so perfect and you've got these amazing shiny lives and it's all rich and wealthy and gorgeous and beautiful. And I'm sorry, but life isn't like that. Vanessa, like it's, not, it's not true. Don't believe it. We all have battles. I'm, I'm so glad you've just said this. Wow. Um, so two days ago, two, honestly, two days ago, I was um, delivering training a speech at a big energy company, 
and mm -hmm. I, I did my I did my speech and, and my favorite parts the Q and A the questions that we that the conversation you know yeah so, I know what you mean I really yeah. love questions they're yeah they're brilliant now a gentleman asked me he was a young lad maybe 25 26 and good looking young lad and he asked me this question and I had this conversation with him but I basically got to the conclusion of I don't know and he asked me he said Steve I've got two um two or three young nieces who are addicted to social media and it is it is ruling their life um he asked me what advice can you give me that I can tell them to, to help shape their their thoughts on it and I'm like wow that is a that is a loaded question I I don't know the answer and I don't know if anyone does but you were just saying there big massive followings I mean you've got like you know a hundred thousand plus followers and you're so down to earth what question what advice would you give to young girls especially and young guys looking up at people and thinking I want to be this thing um I guess the first thing is to say that I don't live on social media I live a life that I share on social media my life isn't um, social media and I guess the younger generations probably blur those lines and there's this huge expectation that they need to be really cool and funny and be able to do these ridiculous TikToks. For one, I can't do TikToks anyway, blooming hell. <laughs> I'm like the granny on TikTok, seriously. Um, <laughs> it's not working out for me. So if you're on TikTok, please, please find me and give me a bit of encouragement. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I think it's really hard. Um, for what would I say for parents? Um, actually, I got asked a question the other day, but what, as a young girl, what advice do you have for me to become an adventurer? And I actually right. thought that was a nice question. And maybe the answer for this might indirectly answer it, because I think that's a really yeah. hard question. I'm not surprised you sort of went, I'm not sure. So basically I said, the first thing, obviously, I know your dad's listening, so of course you've got to listen to your parents. Yeah. Parent points. Next one is your education. And, you know, if you look for me, say, I there's no way I'd be doing what I've been doing now if I hadn't done my undergraduate degree, done masters, worked really hard, and I had a career in marketing beforehand. So I learned a lot of things about storytelling and that kind of side of things, which I've actually been able to use to try and share my story of the accident to help people. But that educational journey is so, so important. Um, you know, just playing on motorbikes is incredibly difficult to, you know, put food on the table for example yeah. so education is really important the one home you're ever going to have your body look after it you know good nutrition supplements if you're not getting the right things respect it love it nurture it feed it right let it sleep let it recover look after it you've got one home for your whole life and i think so many of us take our bodies for granted and don't look after them properly and honestly if i could go back to before the accident I would take a moment to thank my body for how damn awesome it was back then. Like it was pain-free and it could do anything I asked it to do. And I I never appreciated it like I should have done. It just did it. And I, yes, I did look after it, but I never stopped and went, you know what, thank you. You're a good home. <laughs> you know what, it's still I, a good home now, it just hurts. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm 40, I turned 40 last year and after 10 years in the army and 13 years offshore and adventures around the world and like yourself jumping out of planes bikes cycling 
you know, sea swimming, all this kind of crazy stuff. I'm now going, I'm aching and it's not going away. It's my knees sore, my back. And I'm like, you've, you've really used this thing, you know, you, you mm. know, you've used up and it's, you're so right there. Um, yeah, you need to get on the active collagen that I take and swear by. It has seriously helped my joints, like really? big time, active collagen. Yeah, if you go on my website, um, yep. under the health section, there's a why I take active collagen, um, and there's actually a discount there. But it's oh, been game-changing for me for my hip as well, but also for just generally getting older and trying to be fit and recover, etc. It's basically a very intense shot of protein, which is collagen-based, um, which is the biggest protein in the body. So it's incredible for the elasticity and these like protein synthesis in the body. Oh, so I like pains, the joints, tendons, ligaments, all of that stuff. You heard it here, people. Go and check that out on the health section. Girlonabrook.com. So the other bit of advice I had for this little girl was <laughs> forget that you're a girl. It's irrelevant. Okay. You're not a girl out there trying to be an adventurer. You're just another person. And I just don't think it is relevant. The girls can do everything and anything that we want to do, as can the guys. The fact that you're male or female or a monkey, whatever you want to relate to, it's okay. I don't know why I said monkey. Um, <laughs> I, I just sort of said believe in yourself. And if, you know, do some research, set some goals and believe in yourself and take steps towards it every day. That was kind of my advice. Social media. Oh, dear. Remember that there's a life outside of it, I suppose. Yeah, I, I'm honestly, I'm going to I'm going to have to snippet some of that bits that you said and, and put them on as well. Just on their own. You, when you said I got goosebumps, I was like, wow, that is that's big. That's so good. Um, you have a life that's not lived on social media. You have a life. You don't live it online. You know, and uh, my happiest moments are offline. I'll go offline for a week and my fans are like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, just doing stuff. You know, and I'm like, and, but I had in the past got quite attached to the likes and the amount of shares. I was like, oh, I need more, I need more. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, that, that's not normal. So I love that. Um, what's one of the questions you've got here? Yes, yeah, so this is a bit of a sidestep question, but... Um, Ooh, okay, intriguing. So I know you had a lot of questions, as we have here about the bikes, the accident, the other adventures. How amazing is your husband? Oh, my I, goodness. I would just like to personally say how wonderful it is to see such a wonderful team. And I just want to take this moment to say I admire him and you because I know for a fact they say that behind every successful man... Is a, is a wonderful, strong woman. Well, in this case, here we are looking at your amazing story, the Vanessa Rock girl on a bike story, but behind you is this wonderful man. And I would just like to say um, how much I, that means to me. Oh man, you made me cry. Yeah, he is a keeper. He's like, he's, I'm actually crying. He's absolutely amazing. And um, we're one of those kind of couples. Our friends always joke that we're vomit worthy because we're just such a partnership. And 98% of the time we want to do the same thing. We've got the same interests and hobbies. And we have definitely got a competitive edge between us, but in a really Love. healthy way. So for us out on the dirt bikes, it's ideal because if he does it, well, I've got to do it because he did it. And he might look at something and go, blimey, I'm not going to try that. And then I go and do it. And he's like, for God's sake, 
No, I've got to do it. And then he'll do it. And we'll both have done it. And we just kind of pull each other along. It's like supportive, energy, love, caring. I feel very, very, very grateful to have found him. Full on soulmate there. And he's hot, which is a huge bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. I love it. I love love you. I'm so down there. Um, You know what? Honestly, it's clear you've got this burning passion for each other. And a love story that is just fantastic. Um, So I... I admire that for you, and uh, I just love, I've got this thing inside of me, like people sometimes ask, like, why do you do the things you do? And I'm honestly, I love seeing people happy. It makes me feel good. You know, when I see people getting their, getting their job, getting their business up, getting their clients, or getting their love story coming through, and I'm like, good for you. You know, it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I was learning about your story and, and how much you spoke about your husband, I thought, that, that just is the icing on the cake for me. I love it. Yeah, I think um, sometimes people re- forget or don't realise that happiness isn't um, limited. As in, yeah. if you are happy, it doesn't mean someone else has to be less happy. And so putting someone else down or being mean or anything like that to make yourself feel better, which people do, you know, they just get pleasure out of being little poos. Yeah. You don't, everyone can be happy. We don't have to be like competitive at each other in a negative way or bitchy or unkind. Like the world gives us enough challenges. We don't need to add to our own challenges ourselves as, as people to each other, if that makes sense. Um, if that makes sense. Ra- that I'm, makes- ra- I'm rambling. <laughs> You're not rambling. rambling. You're-, <laughs> <laughs> You're rambling wisdom here. You're good. Okay. This, is not, this is not rambling. This is a. I just, just don't know why. I just thought of Led Zeppelin song, Ramble On. But um, yeah, you are. You're speaking the truth here. And we certainly do. I don't know why we do it. I don't know why. I've got some of my own thoughts on it, but we add so much pressure into the already chaotic mind and heart that's going on. And, and just fucking let it go. Live happy, be adventurous. Like you, like you, you've got, yeah, you've had your accident, your surgeries. I'm going to get a dirt bike. I'm going to do this stuff. And yet, even though you're on this journey and there's ups and downs, you're still going through these tough moments of, oh, another surgery on the table. And you're so positive minded, but you're very grounded. And that's quite a rare thing. It is. Yeah. Kind of wish I was a gambler. <laughs> so I've been told with a 95% certainty. So if I was a gambler, I'd be like, get in there. I'm gambling on that, right? Yeah. Um, that I will need a full new hip in. If I can make it last five years, I'll be doing well, maybe eight. Oh um, yeah, I'm certainly... People me, you know, are you done with the surgery recently? <laughs> no, yeah. probably not. Definitely not. But that's okay too. No. I'll that one when I get to it. <laughs> so I've got one final question because I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot on your plate and I'm so grateful. This has been, I just want to say before I ask it, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much. Um, I have one question I ask everyone on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> what is something that you're telling yourself that you're not telling the world? That I'm telling myself that I'm not telling the world. Yeah. What's something you're telling yourself 
you know, quite a lot, but you're not telling the world. Something that's inside of you, but you're just not telling the world. I try to be really honest with the world. Um, I mean, I always have confidence challenges with my skin because I have vitiligo all over me. Like, all, so the, I don't know if you can see it on the webcam, but I've got white oh. patches all over my body, all over my face. Um, I choose yeah. to camouflage my face because I just like to have a slightly more normal face. Um, but it's all over my body. And I guess I struggle sometimes with that. So um, oh. particularly when you're covered in mud and sweat, it can be, you know, like <laughs> a show. You know what, that's a really rubbish one. I don't, I don't know. I feel... I mean, there's a, no, there are a few not... things in my personal side of life, like the fact that we're currently in the process of buying a new house and we're in temporary accommodation and we're battling all of the challenges of solicitors and stuff, but that's so boring. Like, it's, it's well, boring. The world doesn't need to know about that. So I, I don't know. That's not... a really, really big question. I don't... I think, I think you've answered it really well there. I think you do, because it's funny, I... Um... I had, I had skin cancer about six years ago, and I don't talk about it that much. And um, when it was funny because when I went in to get the, the, the biopsy and stuff, I didn't even have to get a biopsy. I walked in and the consultant went, yeah, that's cancer. And I was like, oh, okay. Wasn't expecting yeah. that. My reaction was to laugh when I was coming outside. My family were like, oh, my God, you're okay? I was like, no, it's cancer. And they're like, why are you smiling? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's just a reaction. But um, I hid it because I was. I just got a new job. I'd taken a step up the ladder, running my own department for a new company, massive pay rise, and I was starting that week. And they had to put me on this course called Well Control, which is a week of um, mathematics and engineering schematics. And I decided to not tell anyone. And that's why I asked this question because sometimes not asking that question puts us in these situations and uh i totally failed the test and i was walking around with the stitches and everyone's looking but i didn't say anything and i was like why am i not telling people why am i so ashamed you know and uh it's mm. um i think you've answered that beautifully i think you have it's um it's the imperfections that make us perfect and yet we tend to look away from these things you know no one's perfect, but we're all perfect in our own unique ways. Absolutely. I think by the sounds of it, your husband's perfect. Good looking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. I'd agree yeah. with that. <laughs> Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on here. It has been an absolute pleasure and a joy. And I cannot wait to go back and listen to this again. I know for a fact this podcast is going to resonate with so many people. And um, I look forward to seeing your adventures unravel and supporting you along the way. Anyone who's listening, where can they find you? Yeah, the girl on a bike. I'm on basically all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, or just um, LinkedIn. I don't use my personal channels. So the girl on a bike, yeah, I'd love to you to join the journey. And my inbox is always there if you want to say hi. And thank you for having me on. It's been wonderful to chat to you. You've definitely given me some goosebumps with your stories as well. Like, wow. Thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. Um, I am honestly just uh, so supportive of you and everything you're doing. And if there's anything I can do, please let me know. 
Everyone, Vanessa Rock, the girl on the bike. <laughs> Vanessa, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me. No, that's it. That's